Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet and make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone, everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. My name is Kaden Behan, your host, and today's show will be on um, will be on cell phones, the new tool in high school classrooms. But before we begin, as always, we do have some announcements. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group, educational resources to help reach your goals. On to our topic for the day. We're going to be talking about how smartphones have evolved into popular tools for high schoolers. And additionally, going more into how cell phones can be a useful educational tool and also going into the the debate whether or not cell phones should be used as an educational tool or if they're just too distracting in the high school environment. So first we're going to begin with the finding that they have involved um, into popular tools for high schoolers, regardless of whether it's in the classroom or outside of the classroom. In this article by... Sean Cavanaugh, um, he states, a new nationwide survey reveals, that, reveals the extent to which mobile devices have become an inextricable part of students' and families' lives, while also indicating that parents see potential benefits and drawbacks to the technology tools. By the time they enter high school, 51% of all students are carrying a smartphone to school with them every day. Nearly a quarter of all students in K-12 overall are doing so, while 8% of students in grades 3 to 5 bring a smartphone to school. It is unclear, however, what, whether the tech usage results in benefits for students during the school day. Um, this kind of K-12 parents say their children's schools require students to use family-owned devices in the classroom. Nearly the same portion of parents, 17%, say that their children's school requires students to use at least one portable device or mobile device in school. Those results suggest that there are a significant portion of mobile devices that are just being turned off when the student gets to school or being used under the radar. The survey found that parents were largely optimistic about the potential academic benefits of mobile devices, but they are also cautious about the pitfalls that come with using those tools. Now more into why they may be useful for the education of students. We're going to go into the article written by William Faraday. Um, Digitally speaking, uh, cell phones teaching tools and how they can be useful in helping students academically in the classroom. At a recent recent conference, a team of 
me, the author, and also to common question, how can we get educators in our building to embrace cell phones as a legitimate tool for learning? The teachers told me cell phones were banned by school policy and most of their colleagues wouldn't have it any other way. Despite the fact that 75% of all kids ages 12 through 17 have cell phones, educators have done their best to aggressively erase this tool from their classrooms. In fact, less than 12% of students attend schools where cell phones can be accessed at any time, and almost 70% attend schools where cell phones are banned from the classroom. Our efforts to control student cell phone use are at times noble. However, cell phones can be a real disruption to learning when used improperly. With almost 60% of teens reporting that they've sent and received text messages and 25% reporting that they've made phone calls while in class, it's clear that these disruptions are very real. However, efforts to eliminate cell phone use are also short, especially in the narrow where dollars are available for classroom supplies. With a willingness to experiment, teachers might be able to create classrooms where the cell phones currently tucked into students' backpacks functions as important tools instead of incessant distractions. To break down the negative attitude towards cell phones as learning tools in your building, you can try the following. Make cell phones visible. Most cell phone skeptics are, I know are worried about sneak students. For example, they would ask what answers during tests. The solution is to require students to place their cell phones on top of the right-hand corner of their desk when they come to class. That way you know if someone is texting or calling a friend when they're supposed to be learning. The best answer to students who act irresponsibly with cell phones isn't to blanket, blanket ban cell phones. The best answer is to force students to act responsibly. Additionally, show colleagues and administrators a convincing classroom application of cell phones. Convincing educators to embrace any new tools starts with demonstrating how it can improve learning or make teachers work. If you show teachers that, they'll most likely embrace it. To make the case for cell phones, you might demonstrate a text message-based polling system like Poll Everywhere, which allows users to create surveys that participate, participants respond to via messaging. By creating an account on Poll Everywhere's website, you set your class up as a polling group, and you'll instantly have the capacity to create brief, multiple-choice, or open-answer surveys that can show in the class using a data projector. Students can then text their responses either as short answers or as predetermined codes automatically assigned to each indicator of a multiple choice question. The results are then displayed instantly to the entire class, are updated in real time, and can be downloaded for future reference. The author has personally found that his class members were happy to share their phones with those few students who weren't carrying a cell phone or didn't have a texting plan. Pull Everywhere turns cell phones into student responders, something most schools can't, can't afford. The teachers can use this to gather information about the content of mastery in their class, for example, to test how well everyone seems to know the material in a way that's not graded. Additionally, for instance, science teachers who are curious about whether their students can accurately convert metric measurements into standard measurements can create quick multiple choice surveys with Poll Everywhere and instantly see how well their students grasp the content and conversion procedures presented in class. Considering how important and efficiently collecting data has become in today's classroom and that 75% of all students with cell phones have unlimited texting plans, services like Poll Everywhere should be an instant hit in most schools. 
Additionally, use cell phones to replace needed supplies. The author first began, became convinced that cell phones had a place in the classroom when his students were completing a science lab that required timing the melting rate of an ice cube. Students were exciting by the, excited by the lab, but they didn't have enough timers for every group. Therefore, students asked if they could use their cell phone as a timer. Over time, cell phones filled many functions in this author's classroom. Students looking for definitions to new terms or answers to basic knowledge questions started texting their questions. For example, what is the capital of Cuba? What is the definition of onomatopoeia? What is the speed of sound? To Google's dedicated SMS question service number and received instant replies. Students also began using the still and video camera features of their cell phone to record the results of their labs for future review and to insert photographs of procedures and materials into lab reports. This saved infinitely more money than it would have cost to collect, so to buy supplies for these procedures. And using nothing more than the tools that the majority of students brought to school every day, they successfully replaced dictionaries, timers, and digital cameras, resources that the author's principal would have loved to provide for every classroom, but unfortunately couldn't afford to on tight, in a tight budget. Embracing cell phones in school is a lo logical step, although the risks are real. However, the rewards are great and not as hard to achieve as one might think. Do cell phones actually belong in the classroom? If you were to drop in on most any American high school these days, what would you see? Cell phones, lots of them, as we've discussed before. Virtually all students have one, and it's typical to see them tapping away or listening to music through their earbuds, not just in the hallways during the five-minute breaks, but also in the classroom at every opportunity the teachers give them. Most schools allow students to have cell phones for safety. A reaction to the Littleton, Colorado high school shooting incident of 1999, apart from emergency situations, most schools don't officially allow students to use their cell phones during class time. However, when the teacher is busy helping out other students or writing on the board, out comes the phones as students send instant messages to friends, listen to music, or watch videos on the internet. Eventually, the teacher notices and warns them that their phones will be confiscated. The, the phones disappear with reluctant obedience until the next opportunity arises surreptitiously to pull them out again. This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School, the world's fastest growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. We're talking about cell phones in the classroom um, and that when the teacher notices cell phones, typically the reaction is to confiscate phones and the phones disappear with reluctant obedience until the next opportunity arises to pull them out again. At a time when middle-class homes are filled with computers and mobile devices, schools are grappling with the question of how much technology to bring into a classroom. A recent Washington Post article profiled two private schools in Washington, D.C. One, the Flint School that surrounds kids with gadgets, and another, the Waldorf School that doesn't even teach students to use computers. Most schools fall between somewhere between these two extremes. 
But whatever a school's approach to technology, cell phones seem to be ubiquitous. In an April 2010 study by the Pew Internet and American Life Project and the University of Michigan found that in schools that permitted students to have cell phones, 71% of the students sent or received text messages on their phones in class. In the majority of schools, those that allow students to have phones in school but not use them in the classroom, the percentage was excuse me, also very high as 65%. Even in schools that banned cell phones entirely, the percentage was still a shocking 58%. Many teachers have given in and allowed their students to listen to music through their earbuds while they're doing individual classwork. Some students rationalize this by saying that they concentrate better on their schoolwork when they listen to music. Many teachers don't seem to accept, seem to accept this reasoning, little knowing that the data about multitasking has deleterious effects on concentration and the ability to think clearly. Two years ago, for example, Peter Bregman wrote in the Harvard Business Review blog network that multitasking can reduce productivity by as much as 40%, increase stress, and cause a 10-point fall in IQ. But thinking clearly doesn't seem to be one of the principal objectives in our high schools. For the teachers, the administrative staff, much less for the students themselves. After all, this is a generation that is used to being entertained. Attention spans are short during a block period, which is two regular 40 minutes of periods back-to-back. Some teachers co-hold their students to do some work during the first hour and then promise them time to do whatever they want at the end just to keep them from disturbing others. In some cases, schools have actually embraced cell phones and incorporated them into their teaching. The educational benefits of cell phones have been argued as follows by various educational writers. One such testimonial by Mark Prensky is that they give students the chance to collaborate with each other, connect with peers, or connect with peers in other countries. Additionally, they can be used for high-tech alternatives to boring classroom lectures, letting kids take part in interactive assignments like classroom polls. They can serve as notepads or as an alarm for setting study reminders, and they can also be recording devices, letting students record impressions during field trips and create audio podcasts and blog posts. However, none of these supposed advantages can overcome one very basic disadvantage. Cell phones distract students from schoolwork and class activities. Half of teens send 50 or more text messages a day, According to the Pew study, older teen girls, 14 to 17, send an average of 100 messages a day. It is naive to imagine that students armed with cell phones won't be quietly typing away under their desks, sending messages, or surfing the Internet. And this activity is much harder to regulate than traditional note passing. So what's the solution? Do teachers simply need to crack down harder to impose harsher penalties against extracurricular texting and Internet surfing, or are cell phones themselves a symptom of a larger problem? An observer walking into an American school might notice the noise, not only the talking and shouts among students during their hourly migrations between classrooms, but in classrooms as well. Silence in a class is an all-too-rare phenomenon. If the teacher isn't talking or an instructional video isn't playing, there's likely to be an incessant talking of students among themselves. All in all, there is lots of sturm and drang, not enough contemplative thinking and learning. There are many, there, are, there, may be, there may not be one right way of educating, 
The Waldorf School philosophy of pen and paper, blackboards, and chalk can work fine for some students, but computers in the classroom can also work. What's clear either way is that students must be taught to love learning, to embrace the process of finding answers. In a recent New York Times article stated, titled Silicon Valley School That Doesn't Compute, Paul Thomas, a former teacher and associate professor of education at Furman University, was quoted saying that teaching is a human experience. Technology is a distraction when we need literacy, numeracy, and critical thinking. Many high school students have grown unaccustomed to reading anything longer than a 140-character tweet. And at a time when calculators are available on every cell phone, they've grown more dependent than ever on letting machines solve even the simplest of problems. What students lose in such dependency is ability to respond quickly on their feet in a boardroom in a boardroom presentation, for example, as well as a keen common sense about math and science. There's no thinking going on. So how should schools cope with the short attention spans and the need for entertainment among many students? The solution is cultural. Teachers, parents, and administrators need to agree that there's no substitute for sustained cognitive thinking, inductive and deductive reasoning, or detailed analysis and problem solving. All students need more than just discipline in the classroom. They also need to be inspired to learn about the wonders of life, of humanity, nature, and of our planet, and of the cosmos. School policies outlawing cell phones are not cle clearly are not enough. The effective teacher must connect with his or her students in order to hold their attention. There must be a magnetism, a bond between them, a sparking of brotherhood in the battle for knowledge, a quest to figure things out, to understand, to marvel and rejoice in that insight. All of this may seem easier said than done, and the most idealistic of teachers often find themselves running up against unimaginative curricula and restrictive policies. The incessant cell phone use going on in our classrooms must serve as a challenge, forcing us to remember what education is really about. The teacher's goal must be to instill an insatiable desire to learn, both because both inside and outside the classroom there's much to do and so little time. So what we've seen here through these few articles is sometimes in which cell phones can be very useful in the classroom and ways in which they can be distracting, leading to a more possible debate of feeling that classroom not that we do live in this world where there's so much technology and so much distraction. Um, just to add a little personal note, from my experience, I found cell phones that useful uh, in the classroom. Um, also that I never really had anything to test in school because all my friends were also in school and in my classes. So I, I went to a small school, so I didn't really have people in other classes that were necessarily that wouldn't have already been in my class. So I didn't really need to text my friends in class because we would basically be texting each other the same thing. So I just never it was useful to text in class. I was never one of those kind of students that just did a little bit of different experience than children do now, as it seems to be more common for people to kind of just play around on their phones a little bit more. But personally, I found it weren't really that distracting for me just because there was no reason for me to really use it in school. But I do think that it can be a very useful tool. Excuse <coughs> me a very useful tool in some cases, for example, like the poll every, everywhere that was mentioned in one of the articles for getting data about how well the class is doing 
um, grasping a concept through quick questions. And we tend to use that a lot in college, um, little poll keeper technology that allows us to answer questions and to see what the right question was and how many people got the right question. And so I think it helps give the teacher a better perspective of how quickly we're able to think on our feet. And I, so I think that's very useful in certain classroom areas. But personally, I don't feel that cell phones are necessarily the most useful. I definitely think computers are very useful in the classroom environment, um, but can be equally as distracting. But as the last article stated, technology provides us with a very unique challenge to education because at the same time, while computers and cell phones can be really useful, they also are very hard to monitor and to keep students from being distracted by doing other things on their computer. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how education tackles this issue in the future. Um, but thank you for joining me in this kind of exploration of technology in education. Stereotypes um, about African-American students and how they affect their success academically um, and their ability to go to college and things like that. Thank you for listening to me and thank you very much. And Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Please do contact New Heights if you're interested in volunteering. Again, that number is 419-786-0247. And you can email us also at newheightseducation at yahoo.com. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings.